Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. In today's brief, we'll talk about Zelensky's visits to the front, patriotic puzzles and poisoned journalists. I'm Linnea, and today is Thursday, August 16th, 2023. You're listening to the Ukraine War Brief podcast, where we bring you up to speed on the war in Ukraine in about 20 minutes or less. Let's get started with the news in Ukraine from the front. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky visited troops on the front in Donetsk Oblast earlier in the week, and one of the photos from his visit has been making the rounds on social media. In the photo, President Zelensky and a group of commanders look on as a trench cat naps comfortably on the floor in the middle of the meeting. Comments on the photo remark on Zelensky's grin, which has been a rare sight since the full-scale invasion began in February last year. In the eastern theater of operations, Russia continues to try to break through Ukrainian defenses in the Kupiansk direction, according to Ukrainian ground forces commander Colonel General Oleksandr Sirsky, who reported, quote, the enemy's assault detachments, he means Russia's, mainly made up of prisoners, are trying to break through the defenses of our troops in various directions, with the aim of blocking and later capturing Kupiansk, end quote. Sirsky also reported that Russian troops in the Liman direction are regrouping and replacing units that have lost their combat capability, not abandoning plans for new offensive operations. The situation in the Bakhmut area is difficult for Ukrainian forces, with Russian forces launching counterattacks, using aircraft, and mining the area. But Sirsky asserts that the situation is under control, and Ukrainian troops continue to gradually move forward. In the southern theater of operations, Ukrainian Deputy Defense Minister Hanna Malyar confirmed that Urozhaina in Donetsk Oblast has been liberated and offensive operations continue. Russian forces have reportedly attempted to regain the settlement but have been unsuccessful. In the Black Sea, the first civilian vessel sailed from Odessa on August 16th through the temporary Black Sea Corridor set up primarily to evacuate vessels docked in Ukraine's ports since the start of the full-scale invasion last year. The container ship Joseph Schulte, sailing under the flag of Hong Kong, left port towards the Bosporus Strait with more than 30,000 metric tons of cargo, including food, according to Ukraine's infrastructure minister Oleksandr Kubrakov. The Ukrainian Navy has reportedly put five large Russian military landing ships out of commission since February 2022. Dmitro Pletonchuk, Ukraine's Navy spokesperson, reported that prior to the full-scale invasion, Russia had been reinforcing its Black Sea fleet under the guise of military exercises. But due to Turkey's current restriction on warships in the Black Sea, that's no longer an option for Russia. On the home front, Russia launched another missile attack on Ukraine overnight on August 15th to 16th, damaging civilian facilities across eight regions. Three people were killed, 27 injured, and residential buildings, educational institutions, and a hospital were damaged. 
Head of the Office of the President, Andriy Yermak, reported that among the munitions used were KH-101 cruise missiles containing up to 30 foreign-made components. Odessa was hit with a two-wave air attack using Iranian-made Shahed Kamikaze drones, resulting in a fire in one of the ports on the Danai River and destroying grain stores. The Ukrainian Air Force reported that it shot down 13 of the Shaheds over Odessa and Mykolaiv oblasts. We'd like to give a special mention to a Ukrainian company, Frizon Puzzles. They're not sponsoring this episode, they're just doing some really cool things. Not only do they create amazing pieces of entertainment, they also take care of the Ukrainian military, with two special edition puzzles. Puzzle Independence was created for the Independence Day of Ukraine, that's August 24th, and 50% of profits from the puzzle are directed to help civilians and military through United 24. Only 23 out of 200 were left at the time of recording. Puzzle Super Goose was created in collaboration with a famous Ukrainian brand, Goose, and 50% of the profits from that are directed to the Center for Prosthetics, Superhuman. Only 83 of those special edition puzzles were left at the time of recording. Frizon ships worldwide, and you can find the links to purchase in the description. Speaking of puzzling, let's talk about the Russian Federation and effectively occupied Belarus. The Institute for the Study of War, or ISW, reported that insider sources are casting doubt on the Russian Ministry of Defense, or MOD's, claim that private military company, or PMC Wagner Group commanders, are being transferred to the Reddit PMC, which is closely affiliated with the Russian MOD and has been heavily criticized by Wagner in the past. Apparently, these insider sources are going so far as to call it, quote, a dream of the MOD. The ISW noted that Wagner's insider's dismissive response to the rumors indicates a continued interest in undermining the MOD. Russian Minister of Defense and pretend General Sergei Shoigu spun a few yarns regarding Russia's defense production at the Moscow International Security Conference on the 15th, including making the assertion that Moscow's production capabilities exceed the West's and that Western sanctions have somehow helped increase Russian domestic production. Shoigu also claimed that Ukrainian and Western arsenals are almost completely depleted, which is false. Not to be outdone, Russian president-slash-dictator Vladimir Putin also threw around the unsubstantiated claim that the West is responsible for, quote, igniting the conflict, end quote, in Ukraine, and advocated for deepening Russian defense relations with countries in Africa, Latin America, and Asia by repeating rhetoric accusing the West of creating instability in the regions. Russian authorities are apparently developing a mechanism by which they can fully control and shut off civilian mobile telecommunications networks in the event of a declared emergency. Some assessment? To be perfectly honest, I kind of thought they already did. It's likely that it would be used to take greater control of the information space. Civilian communication, particularly on social media, contributed to panic during recent events like the Wagner coup, and the cross-border incursion by pro-Ukrainian forces, and undermined the official narrative both during and after. Russian Colonel General Gennady Zhidko, who commanded Russian troops in Ukraine during the spring and summer of 2022 before losing his job to Sergei Sorovykin, has reportedly died in Moscow following a, quote, long illness. Quick question. Was the long illness called 
being a Russian general. At least three Russian journalists who were known for their work exposing Kremlin lies and reporting on Russian atrocities in Ukraine have been poisoned by undetermined substances while traveling in Europe since last fall. Elena Kostichenko was working as a correspondent for Novia Gazeta in Zaporizhia and had planned to travel to Mariupol when she was warned by Ukrainian intelligence sources that Chechen units had been ordered to kill her, so she left Ukraine for Germany. In early fall, Kostachenko began working for Latvian-based Russian media outlet Medusa and was poisoned while in Munich to apply for a Ukrainian visa. Irina Babloyan was poisoned by a similar substance shortly after moving to Tbilisi, and most recently Natalia Arno, president of the Free Russian Foundation, was poisoned by a neurotoxin similar to Novichok in Prague. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. If you're enjoying the episode, please rate us and leave a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to reach out to us via email at social at borlingen.media. That's B-O-R-L-I-N-G-O-N dot media. Moving on to European news, the Czech Republic has frozen nearly 350 million euros in sanctioned Russian assets, and Czech law enforcement agencies are reportedly actively monitoring sanctioned Russians. Latvia could begin Ukrainian grain exports this fall, according to the chairman of the board for Latvian Railways, Rinalds Plavniks. He commented that he'd previously had doubts, but logistics and shipment technology capabilities have developed to such an extent that the transportation process could become much more efficient. Quote, We see that around 500,000 to a million tons a year could be transported via this transit corridor. End quote. Lithuania will be closing two out of six border crossings with Belarus as of August 18th, due in large part to the presence of PMC Wagner mercenaries in Belarus. The Baltic states and Poland will be discussing a total closure of their borders with Belarus at upcoming talks in Warsaw. Let's talk about the news worldwide. United States State Department official Vedant Patel said on August 15th that, quote, our concerns persist as North Korea continues its assistance to Russia's invasive war against Ukraine, end quote. Noting that military cooperation between Russia and North Korea would violate UN resolutions aimed at restricting North Korea's nuclear program. The U.S. announced on August 16th that it has imposed sanctions on three companies from Kazakhstan, Russia, and Slovakia that facilitate the arms trade between Russia and North Korea. The U.S. is pushing for Iran to stop selling attack drones and drone components to Russia, 
as part of talks on a broader deal between Washington and Tehran to de-escalate tensions between the two countries. Stian Hyensen backpedaled from his statement that Ukraine could consider giving up territory and receive NATO membership, apologizing and calling it a mistake, and clarifying that it was part of a, quote, larger discussion about possible future scenarios in Ukraine, end quote. Switzerland's federal council banned 87 companies from exporting dual-use goods, including companies from third-party nations that have delivered dual-use goods to Russia, and also banned the transfer of intellectual property rights and trade secrets for various goods to Russia, so restricted goods can't be produced in Russia either. Let's talk military tech. After a visit with troops in Zaporizhia Oblast, President Zelensky released a video message reflecting on the experience of meeting soldiers, quote, brigade by brigade, saying that real combat experience and modern trends on the battlefield should be prioritized during training. Zelensky added that the training of soldiers is the responsibility of every commander at all levels, and soldiers' motivation is a, quote, direct consequence of how they learn to fight, end quote and that by talking directly to soldiers, their experiences can be applied to the entire armed forces. Ukraine has received dozens of armored engineering vehicles, or AEVs, from partners, including U.S.-made M88s, U.K. Challengers, and Finnish Leopard 2Rs. The most common AEV currently in Ukrainian service, however, is the ex-Soviet IMR-2, Basically a hacked-together T-72 tank chassis with a crane mounted where the turret should be and a hull-mounted bulldozer blade. They're not terribly impressive, but they are both reliable and widely available, having been left behind by retreating Russian troops, but also abandoned by Russia following the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991. All the better to tow abandoned Russian tanks out of the mud and clear paths through Russian minefields. That's the brief for today. Remember to check your sources and don't fall for propaganda. Join us on YouTube and TikTok for more Ukraine content and live news reports. And please consider supporting our work on Substack. You'll find the links in the description. We'll be back tomorrow with more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. Do popachenye.